It is awesome to be with you guys. Some of you I, I haven't seen in a while, and it's just good to, to have you here. And and others of you, you're you're faithful, and I see you every week. But um, I wish I could see you more. But it's just really good, really good to be here with you. So thank you. If you've uh, been with us for any length of time, you know that we've been in a, a series about uh, heaven. Really, it's called Closer Than You Know. It's crazy how uh, we. We're hanging everything, all of our hopes on um, eternal life, resurrection from the dead. And yet, if we're honest, very few Christians have any sense of what that looks like at all. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of just out there. Um, we just imagine an old beard guy and harps and floating on clouds. And, and as we've seen in this series, that's completely wrong. That's, uh, that has nothing to do with how, scri- how scripture kind of describes and thinks about eternal resurrection life. We found out first that um, resurrection life is human life. It's real. It's physical. It's a different kind of physicality, but it's human. It, it's, it's not so far different that it's unrecognizable. You know, sometimes you get this image of like this bright white light or something like that. And, and, and it's, it's more than that. It's, it's very physical. And it's a different kind of physicality, but it's still real. Um, then we, we, we found out uh, that, that not only is it real, but that the heavenly city is really kind of a city, and it really does have like people who are running the show, uh, people who are at the top of the heap, as it were, kings, queens, princes, princesses, dukes, duchesses. And we, we found the scripture says believers can be these people. If you live in a certain way and have a certain kind of faith, you can actually enjoy a different quality of eternal life than, than those who don't. And that's pretty exciting. We found that it's going to be different. It's going to be weird because heaven's a place where where we are wholly given over to self-giving love. But it is real that there are people who have the good life in heaven. And and, and that's what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to begin talking about who gets the good life. Presumably that's something that we all want. Uh, presumably, if heaven really is out there, resurrection really does happen, and this is our eternal destiny, then the best thing for us now is to know how we can have the good life in heaven. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about um, very specific rewards that, that are promised uh, in both the Old and the New Testament to believers who, um, in, in, in the words of John, overcome. And so uh, today we're going to uh, start, we have two main texts, we're, we're talking about the crown of life today, and it shows up twice in the New Testament. I like to read both passages together. This is James 1.12. James, for those of you who don't know, was uh, Jesus' half-brother. He, uh, he grew up with Jesus and still managed to believe that he was the son of God, which tells you something, uh, because I have kids and siblings um, know all the bad stuff about each other. And so if James the Just grew up to believe that Jesus was the Messiah of God, that's something we should take seriously. Not only did he uh, grow up to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, we know that he, um, it's actually recorded in uh, Josephus, his martyrdom in about uh, 40 AD, about 10 years after Jesus' resurrection, he was taken to the top of the temple and thrown off. And uh, when he got to the bottom of the temple, a lot of his bones were broken, but he wasn't dead yet. And so um, the, the, the mob of, of, of unbelieving Jews and Romans beat him and finished, finished him off. This is what he says. Those who stand firm during testing are blessed. They are tried and true. They will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
Uh, the next text is from, uh, Re- we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, the next text is from Revelations, Revelation 2. These um, are messages that Jesus gives to the churches um, that, that are in Turkey, what we think of modern-day Turkey. This is um, the message to Smyrna, which is modern-day Izmir. I've actually been there. It's a coastal town. They have like kind of a tourist industry there. Uh, and this is, this is what um, is said. Write this to the angel of the church in Smyrna. In France, uh, like seven, late 17th, early 18th century French sculptor. And you'll notice that Caesar is depicted wearing a laurel crown. Uh, and it's, it's laurel, the leaves have been woven together into a wreath, into a wreath, and, and, and Caesar's wearing this. Now that's weird because Caesar, uh, Caesar was a king, and laurel crowns were actually set aside for people who did stupendous, wonderful things. So, for example, Caesar got his first crown around 80 B.C. when he uh, participated in this, like, uh, a siege of some city, and he was particularly heroic or whatever, and he won the battle. And so uh, the people in Rome said, oh, you're so great, and they gave him this laurel wreath. It was to signify that he had done something tremendous, that he had overcome these terrible odds, It was, and, 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 and he had shown what great Roman military looks like, and so he was given this thing as, like, a symbol of honor, so that when he walked around, people knew this was a guy you should pay attention to. He's a big deal. And of course, not only does it come with honor, but also there's material rewards that go with that. If you're, if you're the big dog, if you're the big shot, people naturally flock to you and life gets to be a little bit better for you. You enjoy what fame brings. In fact, when uh, Caesar kind of ended the Republic and when, um, when Julius came into Rome in 46 BC, whenever it was, uh, and to kind of take over as like the dictator, the Caesar, when he became Caesar, uh, he, this crown was, was given, another laurel wreath was given to him, indicating that he had done what no one else could do. He had overcome in the most fantastic way, this powerful way. He had taken over the entire empire because of his greatness. We have, uh, in our day, modern analogs to, uh, the laurel wreath. This guy, his name's Tygard, and then he's got his laurel wreath. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce Tygard, but I think that's right. He's 15 in this picture, and at 15 years old, he has earned every single Boy Scout merit badge available. I mean, what a stud, right? Think of all the stuff, I mean, because you got a basket weave, you got to, like, go camping, all kinds of things that no one wants to do. He did them all! One of the very few to uh, to achieve by 15 years old all of the merit badges. And what's interesting is every single one of those merit badges is designated to, to do, you know, Tigard did such and such. He helped a number of coasters, 55 plus, across the street. And so he got a merit badge for that. Uh, you know, he learned how to make a fire by rubbing sticks together. Honestly, I don't know anything about the Boy Scouts. I'm assuming that's what they do. Maybe he created a knife out of a, out of rock. I don't know what he did, but every single thing that he did, he's awarded with a merit badge. In the same way, when we talk about crowns in the Greco-Roman world, crowns are like merit badges. Uh, so, for example, one of the ways you could get a crown was to win at the Olympics, right? If you, if you were participating in the Greek Olympics and you were the fastest runner, you would get this crown saying, oh, look at this person. That's the first thing in your note sheets. Uh, in the Greco-Roman world, laurel crowns were the merit badges of the day. The merit badges. And so when we hear the word crown in the New Testament, this is what 
ancient hearers would have heard. They would have immediately thought about these laurel crowns that, that signified you had done something tremendous. And, and as a result, you were given the special place of honor and ultimately material rewards. Let's go back to the text. Those who stand firm during testing are blessed. Testing. Older translations will say temptation, but really this word perosmos, whenever it shows up in the, in the New Testament especially, and even really the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it almost always is talking about times of ordeal or trial. So for example, when the um, Israelites are wandering around in the wilderness, waiting to go to the promised land, that's called a testing, a, per, a perosmos. They're being put through it to see if they're really faithful. They're, 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 their temptation, if you, you can call it that, they have a temptation, is to abandon God. It's to do whatever they think is right. It's to go off the rails. That's their temptation because they're in the middle of a test. And, and likewise, you know, it's interesting that James himself endured a test just like this. That he really, wa- I mean, this is one of our earliest New Testament texts and, uh, and written before he actually went through a time of testing where the people said, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. And he said, I can't. It's true. And they said, okay. He went through a time of testing, believing the entire time that he would receive the crown of life. Something similar shows up in Revelation, our other text. Um, starting at the verse 9, I know your hardship and poverty, though you are actually rich. As I mentioned uh, a minute ago, Smyrna is actually one of the wealthiest places in the empire. Second, really, um, in that area to Ephesus, which is to the south. Uh, Smyrna Izmir is a place where, when you're looking around, everyone's got um, the, the brand new car and, you know, the, the awesome mansion. And, and you're the one who doesn't, right? You're, you're looking around and everyone's got a big ship and you don't. Um, some people think that when uh, John says, though you're actually, or Jesus says you're actually rich, uh, he's talking about spiritual riches, like you're poor, but you're spiritually rich. That might be the case. I actually think that um, he's, he's kind of zeroing in on their situation in historical Smyrna, Izmir. A lot of the Christians were looking around at the people around them, and these people were fabulously wealthy. And the Christians were like, but where's mine? And, and, and Jesus is like, well, you're actually not doing that bad. If you think about it, I know that relative to the people around you, you are in poverty. You do face hardship, but overall things aren't that bad for you. And yet hurtful things have been spoken about you by those who say they are Jews. Uh, these are probably uh, people who um, either are actually uh, traditionally Jewish or perhaps have taken on the name of Jews um, in order to gain credibility in the culture. Whatever the case, there's, there, there's a whisper campaign about Christians. Imagine Carl. Carl goes to work. And his boss calls him in and says, Carl... It's come out that um, a couple years ago you tweeted. And in your tweet, you said that uh, you believe that abortion is murder. That it's wrong. It's killing a, a human life. This is, um, this is really upsetting for a lot of the people who work here. That you would think something like this. Um, and, and a couple people have been whispering that uh, you're, 
You partake in these uh, events where you go and you, you eat the body of someone and you drink that person's blood. I mean, some very, very upsetting rumors have been swirling around you. And Carl's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 it's not like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's bread and wine. It's, it's, well, of course, that's what you'd say, Carl. But the, the point is, is that there's kind of a, an air around you that's, that maybe you're not on the up and up. Maybe you're not the sort of person who kind of belongs in this company. I, I'm a little bit worried that maybe you've sort of reached the ceiling of your potential. Because I just can't have that sort of talk going on. It, I, it's making the firm look bad, honestly. Carl. Carl, you're a great guy. I love you. You're, you're awesome. And I, and I don't want to see you, um, I don't want to see you thrown out on, on, on your keister. Uh, so, so what, uh, we're going to do is I'm going to give you a couple months. I want you to try and find another place. And then you resign. I'm going to give you a great letter of recommendation. But really, this isn't the place for you, Carl. That I submit to you is exactly what's going on in, uh, Smyrna. People who, um, of modest means, but who are trying to make it are being systematically frozen out because, uh, the, the rumors about them and because of the way that they're not certain, they're not convinced that Caesar is Lord and the way that they make choices about their, their sexual lives and, and the lives of, of those who are weak are, are seen as unseemly in the empire. And there's a whisper campaign that follows them wherever they go. People are speaking about them behind their backs, never to their face, but always behind their backs with the people who have influence and power, and they're being systematically marginalized. Jesus goes on, don't be afraid of what you are going to suffer. Oh, Carl, it's going to get worse. Look, the devil is going to throw some of you into prison in order to test you. You will suffer hardship for 10 days. We're not sure if 10 days is actually, uh, it might be metaphorical. It might be that um, in, the ca- in that case, there actually were people who were sent to prison for 10 days and got out. The point is, is that uh, these Christians in, in Smyrna, modern day Izmir, are going to actually be persecuted in some ways. Carl's at his new job several months later, and uh, he's called in to the office and uh, right there are standing some uh, some officers of the law. And they say, Carl, I'm sorry, but uh, you're, some charges are being pressed against you for harassment. Um, you've been accused of, uh, of harassment because uh, it turns out that one of the things, some of the stuff that you believe um, is really, really offensive to a lot of our other workers. In fact, some of them... Um, have said that that your language um, they, they obtained an email that you'd sent and it, and it talked about uh, some money that you'd been giving to a group that's a pro life group and uh, as a result these people are uh, are thinking that, that that you are actively opposing um, their freedom of choice and 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 as a result they're feeling really really offended and as a result they're feeling really harassed they're scared to come into work and so we're just going to have to have you escorted out carl good news i think the law is on your side so eventually i think you're going to be you know exonerated but for right now uh, we we have to follow the laws just how it is and so carl um, I hate to have to do this to you, um, and I hate to have to let this happen, but, but, but there it is. We're not there yet, of course, in this culture, but I don't know. Some of these headlines I'm seeing, we might be headed that way. 
The devil's going to throw some of you in pr- into prison in order to test you. You're going to go through an ordeal, Carl. You're going to go through uh, a series of tests to see if you're really going to stick with me, Jesus says. And he goes on. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. I, I personally think that, uh, for the most part, you, you get to the point of death and then ever, and they back off, for the most part. Usually martyrdom doesn't happen. Interesting fact, though, we do know um, that at about 140 AD, so about 50, 60 years after this is written, Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, was martyred. Um, he, we have a, a text that was uh, his, his last letter sort of to his congregation on the way to uh, being thrown to the lions. So it did get that bad for, um, for Christians in the Roman Empire. So far, it hasn't gotten that bad for us, but you can start to feel it. You know, there are some issues out there usually relating to, um, you know, personal freedom, a lot of times uh, sex and gender, where if you are falling the wrong side of a particular line, you might start to be suspect. You might start to be a little bit of an enemy of the state. And if that happens to you, and you faithfully endure, I will give you the crown of life. Crown of life, what is it? Um, well, it's next thing in your notes, of course, is um, the crown of life is promised to every believer who faithfully endures suffering for his or her faith. This is a very specific thing. Uh, it doesn't happen to every Christian. Um, and it probably happens in various de- in varying degrees, but it is true that there are Christians out there who will be asked to suffer, and if you do, this is the promise. You get the crown of, the crown of life. All right, so what is it? Do we have any indication from Scripture about what this crown of life might actually be? I believe we do. Uh, the last uh, verse here in Revelation, notice this verse, very interesting. Those who overcome will absolutely not be harmed by the second death. Absolutely not. Uh, that's, in, in Greek, it's a, it's a particular phrase, ume, absolutely not, by no means, a very emphatic double negative. In Greek, double negatives are even more negative, whereas in English, double negatives become positive, I think. I'm not... Not going means I'm going. Yes, in Greek, I'm not not going means I'm absolutely not going. Now, to show you what's interesting about this, I would like to show you two pictures. On the left is the carnival ecstasy. I've been on one cruise in my life. If I ever go on another, I would like it to be on the carnival ecstasy. This thing has three water slides... And it's got like 10 clubs with karaoke every night. Um, it, it seriously, it does, it looks like a mansion on the sea. And it, apparently in, in cruises, you know, it's all inclusive. So you're just like, you're just living it up. So let's just say someday down the line, I save up the, uh, how much do cruises cost? A lot. I save up a lot of money and I, I go on a cruise and I come back and uh, people are like, hey man, how was that cruise? And I go like this, I say, Tell you one thing, that carnival ecstasy is not boring. What have I just said? Well, I've told you that uh, it's not boring, literally, but what I've communicated to you is that the carnival ecstasy is off the chain, right? The Carnival Ecstasy is the greatest cruise ship ever. It's the it's opposite of boring. It's the most exciting, wonderful place. The children went on slide after slide after slide, going into the, the pool. It was so wonderful. It was amazing. 
And yet the literal way that my words come about are, it means it's not boring. But really what I've communicated to you is it's the most exciting ship in the world. Not a fan of LeBron James, although from what I understand, he may be coming to the Lakers next year, in which case I will be forced to love him. (laughs) The heart will break slightly, but I'll do it for the Lakers. Uh, so imagine, uh, you know, I'm not following, uh, I'm not following the Cavs this year, and so, but I, I'm making small talk, and so I come up to you and I say, hey, how, how the Cavs do last night? And you say, oh man, they ran the floor, man. So and so, I don't know anyone on the Cavs except for LeBron James. So and so, Kyle Korver, is he a person? So and so, uh, did, did this, that, and so and so did that, and that, and of course LeBron scored a few points. Now does that mean that LeBron scored a few points, two to six? Or does that mean LeBron put up 40 points, 11 assists, and 13 rebounds? The latter, right? Because what I've communicated to you is using using hyperbole and what's called a lightetes. That's the technical term for this. A lightetes is I've, I've, I've shown you, I've communicated to you something way bigger than, than what my words literally mean. And this actually happens in Scripture a ton. I want to show you. Um, this is Isaiah 55, 11. My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me void. This in the Greek translation is ume again. It's that, that really powerful negative. It will not return to me void. Meaning, not that it's not going to come back not empty, but that it's going to come back overflowing with success. And, 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 and people are, it's going out. It's, it's meaningful and it's transformative. And we know that because we know who God is. We know that it's, it's, not just not returning to me void, it's coming back full, and it's been powerful. Jesus and John, John particularly loves to do this, and by the way, he wrote Revelation, so keep that in mind. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Does that mean that you're just not going to be thirsty? No, it means you're going to have so much water, you're thirsty, you're going to be so slaked, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. And Jesus goes on and literally says that. I'm gonna, there's going to be a fountain of water springing up in you. It's not just not thirsty, it's more water than you're drowning. Again, a couple more uh, from, from John's literature. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. When you come to Jesus, you're like, Jesus, save me. He's like... <sighs> All right, I won't cast you out. No! He's so glad. Not only am I not going to cast you out, I'm going to welcome you in and gather you to myself, and I'm going to give you a place of honor. That's It's it's the opposite. Again, in uh, Revelation, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot his name out of the book of life. You've overcome. I was going to scratch your name out, but now now I'm not. No, it's like uh, the last thing in the world I would do is blot your name out. In fact, what I'm going to do is declare it from the heavens. I'm going to herald you. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Jesus doesn't just not scratch your name out. He gives you honor and glory before others. These are lightities. And the same thing, I suggest, is happening in this last verse in in, in Revelation 2, 8 to 11. Let's look at it. Oh, uh, the Johannian literature, do I have a, a... No, okay. Let's look at it again. Those who overcome will absolutely not be harmed by the second death. Let's translate that. Won't even be touched. You're so far from getting beat up by the second death, you're going to be glorified and magnified. You're going to have ultimate life, the opposite of second death, right? You're going to have ultimate life, full life, the good life. 
There it is. The good life. What I like, see, I, it makes a lot of sense. My wife hates the beach. Uh, there, it's sandy, and that gets in your underwear. No one likes that. Um, one thing you'll notice about the beach, every time you go there, you're like, what, I mean, we all want the water to be about, what, 80 degrees? Is that about perfect? 75, 80 degrees? What's, what's the right? What's the, cause you want to be able to swim and warm up. Whatever the case, it's never actually that temperature. It's like, it's always too hot or too cold. So you show up in the summer with your wetsuit and you're sweating. You show up in the winter without a wetsuit and you're freezing. You can't control the temperature. The person who built this house figured it out. I will never have to go into the water at the beach again because I'm going to put a pool right in front of it. I mean, how genius is that? That's definitely the... So you're sitting there like enjoying the water and none of the bad... But you still get to see the beach. That's what you do when you have billions of dollars. And also apparently you buy those cars and you have Greek columns at the front of your house. Fantastic. That's what we think of the good life, right? I think that what John is saying and what um, James is saying and really what the New Testament is saying is that if you endure faithfully, you will receive the crown of life. And the crown of life is, is kind of the badge that we give to everybody who goes into heaven and has the heavenly good life. The analog to this. You've been striving and slaving and, and all you can, just dreaming one day I'm going to have that house with a pool in front of the ocean. I'm going to get there. I'm, and you're, you're beat up and, you're, and finally you get it. And you sit down, you, you lay down in your temperature controlled pool and look at the sunset over the ocean and you think, now I'm living the good life. And whatever that looks like in heaven, that's what you get. If you endure suffering for the faith. We have that in the, uh, in the note sheets. Those who receive the crown of life will experience the heavenly equivalent of the good life. Notice heavenly equivalent. Because I don't think you're literally going to be, uh, you know, la- lazing in the pool <laughs> looking at the beach. I don't think that's... Quite. We're, we don't know exactly what heaven will be like. Remember, it's different than the world that we live in now. It's, it's somehow, um, it, it's more, and, and, it's, and it's, it's still human, it's still real, but it's definitely redeemed and glorified. And so what we think of as the good life now may not really be the good life in heaven. Um, maybe the good life in heaven is going to be enriched in a way because we're changed, right? What we, what we would want for the good life might even change. And, but whatever that is, whatever that is, that's, uh, that's what heaven is. And that's who those who endure get that. And yes, Meryl, I missed that one. Is that number three in the note sheets? Yes, okay. Lightities, yes. Okay. Um, I kind of uh, intentionally told that story about Carl because... Um, Probably, well, we all experience suffering to some extent. Um, anyone who who uh, proclaims Jesus and tries to live the way that Jesus asks us to live will at least be made fun of by somebody. Um, but that's not that bad in the grand scheme of things. When you're 16, that's the end of the universe. But by the time you you know grow up a little bit, you can withstand a little bit of being made fun of and, and being thought of as silly. 
The problem is, is that we are very swiftly moving into a culture where things are going to get worse. Uh, it's not just going to be that, um, you know, oh, you're a Christian, that's cute. It's going to be, oh, you're a Christian, you intolerant, hateful bigot, um, you're not going to work here anymore. I hope it doesn't come to that, but uh, I, I, I have my concerns. And so if it does, if it does, what's the bad news is that's going to be awful. The good news, the good news is, is that um, that gives every person who experiences it the opportunity to achieve the good life in heaven. When it gets tough, you are going to be given the opportunity to receive the crown of life, to achieve it by faithfully enduring. But faithful endurance is not easy, and so I have just a few tips here, tips for testing um, that we'll end with. If it comes to it, and and, and you are experiencing uh, an environment or a circumstance where um, the testing is is coming, and you are uh, and you and you seek and you desire the crown of life, the first thing, lay low, lay low. You do not need to go out seeking to suffer. If suffering is coming, it will find you. You don't have to try to get it. And, and, and this is, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny when you start to realize that a lot of us have family members, right? And so when we go out seeking to suffer for the Lord, we're sort of dragging them with us. <laughs> like, oh, sorry kids, sorry spouse. Uh, you're going to suffer too, whether you want to or not. Let's not do that. Um, as, as the culture changes and becomes increasingly hostile to people of faith, it's okay for us to go under, underground, as it were. It's okay for you not to stick your head out and be like, please, somebody cut it off. Instead, to, to take, take it easy, okay? Stick to your guns, but don't like, hey, somebody persecute me. That's not a good way to go about things. That way, when the testing does come, you will be able to be the person who says, I knew it was coming, but I didn't ask for this. And this is on you, not me. The next thing, help a brother out. Uh, yeah, as Christianity, if, if indeed it becomes more and more marginalized in the culture at large, what will happen is that people that you used to be able to depend on you will no longer be able to depend on. Some of these people may be in your own family. Some of them might even be close family members. Uh, we've seen this happen in any, uh, any, type, any, any time that like totalitarian type regimes get going. Um, one of the things that happens is that, that the, the culture tries to drive wedges in between you and your family, which is a sad and horrible thing, and I, I hope it doesn't happen to anyone here in our lifetimes, but, um, but it can happen. And if that does, then you better be connected to a community of faith that can hold you up. Okay? You had better be deeply embedded in a culture and a community of people who love you, who care about you, and will stick with you even if your own family doesn't. We say that we're a family church. What we're saying is like, we don't quit on each other. No matter what. Because that, you know, that sounds awesome and it's wonderful, but there comes a time in life where that's like, that's it. You got nothing else. Some of, some of us, uh, come here from other places. Your families are far away. 
And so you come here and you very quickly recognize how important it is to have people around you who can be your family because they're, they're far off. You can, you can Skype them and tweet them and call them and FaceTime them or whatever, but it's not the same as being there. Now imagine you're in a situation where people are trying to hurt you to take away your opportunities, to damage your reputation, to, and you don't have those people. Or even worse, they begin to be the ones who start to despise you. Could I make a quick uh, promotion for church membership? We at Coast Bible Church do have members. Uh, You should consider becoming a member. That's uh, your way of saying, hey, I'm committed. Um, And and we, uh, I guarantee you, we are too. Last but not least, um, catechize. Catechism is not something Protestant churches typically do, at least low Protestant churches. But it's really actually, it's kind of important. Um, and, and, and to be fair, like I don't even think our Roman Catholic and high uh, and denominational church friends actually do a very good job of it for the most part. But the idea of a catechism is, is it's, it's learning the basics of the faith and why they matter. Not just learning the basics of the faith, but also why they matter. So that when you're confronted with a culture that that strongly disagrees with you about things like sex, things like uh, human life, things like identity. You need to know why you think what you think. And more importantly, your kids do too. Because I'm telling you, what the culture is going to want to do is get your kids away from you. And tell them, oh no, this is the real story of human life. The real story of human life is that it's meaningless. You have to create your own. And whatever makes you feel good is the, the type of, of life that you should live. And so you should go out and experiment to figure out what makes you feel the best, and that's who you are. That is what everybody is being told the moment they leave these doors. All the time. Whether it's a Disney movie, or maybe the Hallmark Channel is exempt. They seem pretty decent. But everybody else is saying that all the time. Okay? So in order to counter that, we as Adults specifically need to know why we believe and why it matters for us. And we need to be forming our children and those around us in the church, for those of you who don't have kids, to be the same way. If I asked you whether or not God is a trinity, probably everyone here would be like, yep, three in one. It's sort of like an egg where like the shell is the father and the yolk is the blah, blah, blah. You might be able to say something like that. Let me ask you this. Why does it matter? Bible teaches it. That's a great answer. That's important. But I'm telling you this, I think it's even more than that. I'd love to talk to you about it. If that interests you, you're like, oh, I've never thought about why the Trinity actually matters for anything. By all means, I'd love to talk to you. I'm saying we need to be educated that way. We need to be catechized that way. We need to share that with those who are younger so that when these when these ideas and beliefs and whatnot come in, they will be like, wait a minute, I know why you're saying that and I know why it's wrong. And I know why it's a lie. And so even though it's going to cost me something to say no to you, I'm still going to do it because I too want the crown of life. We're not just in this for us. We're in this for the next generation and the generation after that. And if things keep going the way they're going, the crown of life is going to be dealt out to a lot of people in the future. If they can hold fast. I hope that we don't uh, enter into a place of persecution.
But if we do, it's an opportunity that has eternal consequences. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, um, I pray that you will bestow the crown of life on many, and that they will be living the good life in heaven, that we will be able to see and honor them, to see them uh, receive the, the fruits of, of, of difficult, challenging labor. God, if, um, if the culture continues to turn, if uh, those outside continue uh, to hate and despise, I pray, God, that our church will be a church filled with people who receive the crown of life for faithful endurance in the middle of suffering. God, let us teach uh, the young. Let us know deeply of ourselves why your truth is true and why it matters so that when the lies of the enemy and the culture come, we can identify them and reject them and hold fast to the faith that was handed to us. God, we thank you for a heavenly future that really will be good. In your name we pray, amen.